The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Rockheads, it's the .NET Rocks Visual Studio 2010 Road Trip with guests Rocky Latka and Jay Schmelzer, recorded live in Chicago, Illinois, Saturday, May 1st, 2010. Carl and Richard are hitting 15 cities in three weeks, recording a new show every day. Follow them in real time online at .netrocks.com slash roadtrip. The .NET Rocks Visual Studio 2010 Road Trip is brought to you by a handful of sponsors, including the following gold sponsor, Telerik. Deliver more than expected. Online at www.telerik.com. Preemptive Solutions, powered by Runtime Intelligence. Online at preemptive.com. And Redgate Software, ingeniously simple tools. Online at red-gate.com. Special support is being provided by the Microsoft Visual Studio team, the Windows Phone 7 team, and the Bing team, who developed the Road Trip Tracker application in Silverlight 4. And now, here's Carl and Richard interviewing Rocky Latka and Jay Schmelzer in Chicago, Illinois. We love Chicago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Are you okay, ma'am? <laughs> thank- Whoa. What's that about? Delayed reaction. So, thank you, guys. Thanks. Great to be here in Chicago, the Windy City. Richard and I are, of course, on our road trip tour. This is stop number 10. Yes, sir. And we are here with none other than Rockford Latka and Jay Schmelzer. Give it up for them. <laughs> ah, sir, you're going to have to control yourself. <laughs> we don't love Chicago that much. <laughs> so everybody probably knows Rocky's very uh, visible in the blogging and speaking and authoring and software writing community. How many people use CSLA.net? All right, what's wrong with raising your hands on a radio show? Nice. How many people use CSLA.net? Make some noise. And uh, Jay Schmelzer is a Microsoft employee. He's the Blue Bladge. Blue Bladge. Blue what's your title these days there, Jay? So I'm a group program manager on the Visual Studio team. On the Visual Studio team. Great product. Give it up for Jay. Yeah. Yeah. Without, without Studio 2010, we would not be here right now. Absolutely. That's true. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions because whenever there's a Microsoft person with a microphone, the questions come out. But we'll hold off on that. We want to talk a little bit about um, our expectations as developers coming up through Visual Studio, maybe Visual Basic before that, the visual design experience. And then XAML gets dropped in our lap a few years ago, and we're mm -hmm. like, oh, no, XML, evil. You know, how are we ever going to adopt to this? And everybody's saying, no, it's all about the XAML. And then there's some people saying, well, just wait for the designers because the designers are going to be great. And then we get blend. And then, you know, that's kind then of we got difficult blend. to <laughs> grok because it's really made for the Photoshop guys and, and their layouts and their nomenclature and all that stuff. And so now we get back to XAML in previous versions of, of Silverlight and WPF and Visual Studio, and the editor begins to get good. It's got IntelliSense and all that stuff. And we think maybe this isn't so bad after all. Now, Visual Studio 2010, we've got a great designer, but I find myself liking to be in the XAML editor most of the time. Still. Well, no, not still. I I like it better. Like I did a 180. I was waiting for the CIDR designer to solve all my problems. Right. And I'm liking XAML better. Maybe it's the IntelliSense, maybe it's just the 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 <laughs> way I can visualize things in a hierarchy, it's very precise. It could just be a perversion. <laughs> it could. This could just be you. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, one of the things that uh, I heard you say once, Rocky, was the reason Silverlight's succeeding where WPF is not is because web developers are used to crappy tools. <laughs> Did I really say it that way? Yeah, and probably. Maybe I'm paraphrasing a little <laughs> bit, but, but it was this idea of when we were building ASP.NET, it's not unusual to flip to the HTML and tweak stuff and then flip back to the controls Bef and, and play around. Well, Before fact, you answer that, is... Did do are we all agreeing that WPF is failing? I don't see that. Well, and I don't say failing so much as adoption was low yeah. until Serverlight came along. Yeah, that I can understand. But the WP, the people who are using WPF love it. Both love guys. It. Well, it, that I don't think is a fair. Uh, yeah, don't you think though that the, so, so WPF has been around for three and a half years ish? Four, yeah. Four. Remember to have and, a long relationship with its adopt, Its adoption is really quite low yes, after four yes, years. And so and, and I, I think it depends on how you define failure. I'm sure right. that if you talk to some of the WPF guys that built it originally, yeah. They had better hopes than, than four years later, a few people would be using it. But that's only an adoption. I don't think, I think the story and using and understanding and building apps with WPF is great. And that the technology isn't failing. The adoption rate, I think, is moving into Silverlight just because Silverlight has made it so easy. Right. And now with full trust out of browser, it's, there's a really compelling line of business application story there. And I, I would take a little issue yeah. with that because I think that Silverlight was actually harder. Certainly Silverlight 2 and, and to some oh, yes. degree 3 was harder than WPF. Absolutely. Right? I mean, there, well, because you have to understand async interactions with the uh, yeah. server. Um, it's a subset of WPF XAML. Yeah. It, it was actually harder, right? There's more concepts for people to, to pick up in and order to in get running. Four. Well, no, in 3 and Silverlight 4, certainly, mm. I don't think it's harder. Yeah. Although you still have the async server thing. Yeah. Know? I mean, that, that's a doozy. It's still the basic, how do I communicate to my database to get my data is not as easy as it's been, say, in the WinForms world. I would argue that it's it's there in Silverlight 4. I mean, yes, there are a lot of there are a lot of ways to do it, but with RIA services and WCF it's it's pretty good. And it's in entity framework, I mean there's a lot of great tools in there. 
But, but I think, you know, Richard, it's true. I did say that, although maybe not in so many words. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's absolutely true that when Silverlight showed up, it got rapid adoption in certain quarters quicker than WPF yeah. did in the certain, in the same period of time or, or in any period of time. And it's because the web developer audience, I, I don't even know if you characterized it right. I think most of them would prefer to just stay in the HTML mm-hmm. yeah. and only periodically you'll look, see what it looks like for real. Right. And in fact, a lot of web developers are, are really, really good at just apparently, you know, visualizing what they're typing. You know, they're, they're typing tags, but in their head, I'm sure they see what it looks like. Right. Well, and, and they, we had this experience in, was it Montreal where we were doing an install fest around, yes. uh, around uh, studio, I think. Right. And, Data. uh, and one of the Microsoft guys, I think it was John Bristow was doing a demo, building a WPF app. Mm. And he sort of casually flipped to the XAML to start building the UI. And a guy in the back of the room jumps up, says, you've lost me. Right. I'm a WinForms developer. Yep. And for the past 10 years, I've been using a visual designer. How can you have taken that away from me? Mm. You know, that, that, how do you think I'm going to leave WinForms if I don't get what I've had for so long? And, and I still think that's true. And I think... Um, I really like the Visual Studio 2010 XAML designer. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a big step it, it's forward. It's a Me big too. step forward. I love it. Um, I think it still has a ways to go. I mean, I think it's a, a really good starting point and, um, it, but, and they can build on it and make it better. But I, th- I think it is to the point that the Windows Forms developer at least now has a tool where they won't have to type XAML very often. And, of, and, and I like that because yeah. I'm one of those guys. I'd rather not type. XML. One of the things, the fundamental differences between Windows Forms and WPF or Silverlight or XAML, we call ourselves XAML developers now. I'm hoping you refer to yourself that way. But uh, one of the fundamental differences is that in a Windows Form, you have a certain pixel width and you have a certain layout and it doesn't really grow unless you're using third-party tools to, to allow it to stretch and move and morph. So you can place precise things precisely where they should be. And in XAML and WPF, well, well, especially in, in Silverlight, we're in the browser and things expand to take up available space and they move around. And so there isn't really any default way that you can, I mean, you can, but, you know, with, without putting hard-coded pixel numbers in there and saying, this is how big I want it, you know, that's what you really have to do. And, that, and also the fact that you're using a lot of containers, panels and grids and things that stretch and expand what you're looking at in the designer doesn't really equate to what you're going to see when you run the app. Well, and I, that's the fundamental difference. See, but see, I'm not convinced it's that big of a leap because in the Windows yeah. Forms world, we had dock, docking and anchoring, mm-hmm. right? So, so for some time in the Windows Forms world, it's been pretty realistic to create uh, decent UIs that would adjust their layout based on the screen size without having to write a bunch of code to do it. And even right. without third-party controls. And... XAML expresses the same concepts only in a different way. Right. Right. And in a much more powerful way. I think this yeah, is, this I is agree. the key, right? Docking and anchoring are good. What XAML does is like docking and anchoring taken, you know, maybe yeah. two or three levels further for every container. Right. For, yeah. for every container. And it gives you a lot more flexibility because I can set, um, effectively, I can dock a control to the left, right, top or bottom of, of, of its container. Um, but the container isn't necessarily the form. It could be a thing inside the form, and that could be docked as well. And this is right? the problem, I mean, it, though. Because we have so much encapsulation, it's very difficult to get a, a, a cursor lock 
on the exact item that you want. Because, you know, I had this experience with ASP.NET designers, too, which is you get so much stuff in there. Like, you ever tried to design a table? In the, in the, yeah, you hover in the upper left-hand corner, and you move around in a circle like 10 pixels, and every pixel, the cursor is changing to something else. It's just very difficult to select, okay, I want this cell, or I want this row, or... Uh, you know, what's in this particular part of it. So Especially when you've got containers that fill up everything. Now you've got one line, one pixel wide that you need to click on. So, so this is difficult. what the document outline window is for, right? And, and in fact, uh, so which has been in Visual Studio for a long time. Mm -hmm. Just I never turned it on because what did I care? Um, all of a sudden I care because because that's exactly yeah. the thing. It lets you pick the item that you want. Yeah. The frustrating part is that I also want to drag it, right click it, and right. there's a whole bunch of things that you can't do to things in in the, the document outline, outline yeah. that oh you really should. So like I said, this is a good start, and that's it's one of the start. areas where I hope they improve. Hi, they. Hey, Jay. Your turn. <laughs> Why is everybody Jay, that whole conversation has been like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Well, I was just actually going to say, I think my my view when we were, went back to the original comment of the adoption and the, and the uptake of things like WPF um, versus Silverlight, some of it is you look at look at the developer mm -hmm. and and who it is that's, that's trying to be attracted to that technology. And you think mm -hmm. about something like WPF and you take a, a developer building a business application. Yep. Yeah. The platform... There wasn't a spinny carousel wasn't something that they were craving. Yeah. Right? Right. So they looked at the I wasn't platform. missing that from my credit. Yeah, like I don't need that. Well, okay, it's where Microsoft's going with the technology. If the tooling experience is great, then I'll just move to it because they're mm -hmm. gonna keep investing there and I should yeah. do that. Look at the tool, eh, WinForms is easier, I'm staying. Right. Mm. Then you look at Silverlight and you look at the developers that started being, you know, started looking at Silverlight and they're now these folks building web apps. Like, well, now there's some capability I can't do today. Right. right? Mm. So, okay, I, that platform's got some really compelling value for me. Mm. Eh, the tool, not quite there yet, but that's okay. I want the value of the platform. So they'll make that step, figure mm. out, you know, the underlying syntax or the whatever. The fact that I can do, build, right? use C Sharp to build code right. on, in the browser yep. and stay away from JavaScript is pretty, once we got up to Silverlight 3 anyway, was yep. pretty compelling. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think you can, not to show my age too much, but if you go back in time and you think about the number of people building business apps on Windows originally when you had C++ and mm. you were trying to go and create yeah. forms. That's all we had, so we liked it. Yeah. No, or, well, we didn't or, like or, it. Or, or, or we just stayed on we other platforms. Yeah, or you stayed on green screen yeah. mainframe terminal kind of thing. DBase 4 was very good to me. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Visual Basic came out and, whoa, whoa. now. The yeah. rules are different. Yeah. Now I can go actually build something yeah. you know, really productively. So mm. I think it's a combination of... But that's Is like 1992, sure. and we're still sort of struggling with that in 2010. Although, I mean, this version is the best by far, yep. but this is, you know, it's like I've been in the desert, and you finally gave me some grubby water, you know? <laughs> it's the best water I've ever had. <laughs> it's still well, pretty grubby water. So, so I think what it, what, it, what it comes down to me for me is that the platform itself just didn't have the really compelling features that the business application developer was looking for. Right, yeah. Now... As we see things like people experiences people are creating, we see, you know, phone experiences people have and all these richer experiences that people have started doing. Now the, as a developer, my customer is starting to expect that of me too. Yeah. Right. And so now I think you're seeing more people look at the platform and say, yeah, I, I do need uh, some of those capabilities. I would love the tool to be better, but my customers ask me for it. So I'll let start me, working. Let me on ask it. the audience, how many of you by clapping, uh, have resigned 
your expectations of a designer doing everything you want for XAML and going into the XAML. How many people are now comfortable in the XAML editor? Clap. Great. That's actually very encouraging. Yeah, yeah. I think. Maybe only 15, 20% of the room. Yeah. But the fact there's any makes me happy. Yeah. Right? I mean, folks are now being productive and working in the XAML. They're becoming XAML developers. Yeah, well, like I said, and, and we were talking about this Rocky over pizza just about half an hour ago, is that... Um, I'm really com. I, I didn't think I would be as comfortable as I am doing XAML, but the editor is just so darn good. And you know, yes, it could be better things like we were talking about. I would like to be able to, you know, if I've got a hundred uh, little boxes that have like labels and text boxes for data entry, I want to be able to copy those and and paste them and have the things that matter to me increment. You know what I mean? And so I don't have to go back to each one and tweak it. But uh, Well, I think the thing is that when XAML was introduced, you know, four or five years ago, and it was first, you know, they're starting to talk about it and so forth, um, it, it was portrayed as being the reason that XAML is so powerful is that it's a toolable language. Right. Right. It's, yeah. a, it's a language around which we can construct rich, powerful tools. Right. And yeah, okay, so you can type it by hand, but... Uh, the real point is that unlike Windows Forms, where it's relatively hard to make tooling, Jay's nodding, you know, <laughs> be, because the, the target output is basically generating a bunch of VB code or whatever, right? Um, that's relatively difficult compared to something that's much more structured and parsable, yeah. like an XML language. Well, so now we're just starting to see, well, of course, we've seen Blend for a while. We're starting to see Visual Studio. Mm. But I, I think the other thing that I've seen quite a bit are custom targeted generators people that say hey you know what we're building several hundred forms and mm -hmm. they're all data entry forms yeah and you know we can create a tool that just spits out most of the xaml right yeah and 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 that's kind of cool too and you because don't have to be a tool developer you could be a business app developer yeah, it's and write just a tool xml in the end xaml. right right it's it's yeah. relatively easy to spit out xml compared to a lot of other things yeah so i think the other thing we see is i've heard a lot of folks have told me that when you look at a Windows Forms or a VB kind of thing that the approach was, I don't know, I'm gonna call it structured. You had a very, there was some creative things you could do, but for the most part, all the apps looked. Well, the same. we got Microsoft guidelines yeah. for that purpose. You will put file here. You will put help here. Yep. This is what's in those menus. Here's where the toolbar goes. Like there was a set of, we got a book. I never got one of those for WPF. Right. So you had a lot of people that could build really professional looking Windows applications. The web came along, and a, a set of folks, myself being one of them, mm -hmm. can't make a professional-looking website to save my life. No. Right? And I don't know what it is about the fact that I can't do it. It just There's something about it that is just more open and flexible. I think it's the bar so high because yeah. there's so many really good-looking websites out yeah. there. And so then you look at something like WPF, and suddenly that feels more like it's web. web. Yeah. And so that part of my brain didn't kick in, and so now I need... Not even that I, if you gave me the Windows Forms designer for WPF, the exact same functionality, mm. I still wouldn't be happy because I still wouldn't be able to create what I thought was a professional looking WPF application. Right. You know, I think, so those of you in the room that were not clapping in the, the fact that you're comfortable in XAML, have faith. I'm not either. So <laughs> we'll keep <laughs> fixing it. I, I think that you've twice now hit on something really important though, Jay, and that is the, the, in the early days of Windows, 
it didn't matter. There wasn't so much pressure. I mean, we were still, at least in my case, on green screen terminals. And, and yeah, okay, there was some pressure, but it wasn't until we start getting these standards mm-hmm. around Windows development. We start getting apps like Office and, and, mm-hmm. and at the time, I suppose, uh, Lotus 1, 2, 3 and a whole bunch of other apps. And, and all of a sudden, our users are all using, um, these really quite nice graphic apps. And our green screen apps side by side. Yeah. Right. In fact, they're running terminal emulators. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they're, they're running our crap in a window. And, <laughs> and, and then they, they, they switch over and they're running these comparatively really nice apps. Yeah. Right. And, um, I think we're starting to see a similar dynamic now. Um, although it's not maybe on the same computer, but you know, they come into work and they run our, our nice battleship gray windows forms apps or whatever. I knew that word was going to come yep. up sometime. Yeah, battleship I, gray, I, I baby. Know. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, and it's sitting but, but, beside but, the WPF app. So, it well, looks old. I mean, but they don't have WPF apps to speak of yet, but yeah. they do have an iPhone. Yeah. Right. And, and so, so here, you know, I'm going to call home. Oh, look, isn't this a beautiful interface? This compared to the stuff I got to work with at work. And then yeah. I go home and I've got an Xbox or a PS3 or yeah, a TiVo. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, isn't this a beautiful interface? And, you know, right. And, and, and so I think that there's this, this pressure, the same kind of pressure, the same kind of dynamic that pushed us all to become, uh, competent Windows developers is going to push us all to become competent XAML as a, developers. As an aside, one of our ride along winners was telling us that he left his job because his boss wanted to adopt WPF by making them making their apps look just like Windows Forms apps. Yeah. Using WPF to make Battleship Gray applications and he In just WPF. he said that was the last straw. I'm yeah. out of here. Yeah. You do have to wonder what the value is to doing that, but yeah. well, get him across to WPF. I mean, I, there's a project on Coplex called WinForm to WPF that's supposed to help you migrate your app by basically building a Battleship Gray app out of WPF code, which is frightening. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's kind of compelling that, you know, I also remember the original mission of Avalon being get us off GDI 32, right? Dragging Windows forward to utilizing GPUs and just, you know, the GDI is the oldest piece of Windows. It's been there since the very beginning. And, and, it was a good, it was a good thing to, to put away. And we never said this outright in the beginning of the show, but the Avalon object model, WPFs out, is gorgeous. It's yeah. one of the nicest it's pieces beautiful. of code I think Microsoft's ever built. It's a shame they wouldn't use it, but you know, it was really beautiful. But they, they did. Eventually. Studio 2010. Five years later, yeah, they, they finally did it. Do you know Sony Vegas the video editing software is a WPF application? Yeah. That's good news. There are applications out there that use it, and they do it very well. And that, that's that Sony video editor is the fastest video ever I've ever used. It's just great. You know what's interesting is I remember in the 90s, your customers came at you and says, how come my app doesn't look like Office? You know, Office for a long time was the reference platform app. They drove the UI forward and demanded, you know, that's how we started using tool tips, and, and all of those things were driven from Office. And we still haven't seen a WPF version of Office. That would be great, wouldn't it? Jay's Jay? looking up the ceiling right wouldn't, now. What could go wrong, Jay? Oh, I don't know what could go wrong there. <laughs> Certainly nothing went wrong when we tried it with Visual Studios. So. We got it done. Yeah. I, I, I would be interested if you could speak to that, of what was the experience of the team making a WPF version of Studio? Well, I think one of the interesting... One thing, there are a couple of interesting aspects of it. So, you know, everybody, everybody hears the overused phrase inside of Microsoft, this, this dog fooding concept, right? right? Yeah. Where we're going to not ship something until we've used it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you that WPF4 is a whole lot faster than WPF 
was in 3.5 because we used it to create Visual Studio. Right. And nice. found out that it needed to be a lot faster it than it was. needed to be. Yeah. I mean, I, the team will kill me for saying this, but in, in early builds of, of Visual Studio 2010, before any of the public ones came out, it was very easy to out-type the editor. You could type way faster than the editor could keep wow. up with you. Um, and, and I don't type all that fast. And I could do it. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that we went and we realized, oh, we really need to work with that team and get it faster. We found interesting things around remote, you know, desktop usage and performance problems that mm-hmm. it caused with WPF. Yeah. So lots of aspects of that, that that went into really making it um, that much faster. At the same time, you know, Visual Studio isn't all managed code. No, right? Right. no, it's too big a code base. It is probably one of the bigger, you know, hybrid um, applications out there. There's lots of native code in there. There's lots of, you know, C Sharp and VB.net code in that environment. So the other thing that came out of it was we did start getting some really good practices for how do you modernize a big native application in an incremental fashion. Mm-hmm. So this time, you know, the editor and the core shell got moved. Going forward, you can imagine that we'll we'll continue, you know, replacing core pieces, you know, as they need to be updated. And it, uh, and it feels like you Microsoft is not going to build up a repertoire of knowledge of how the the right practices for those things. We might get more documentation for us out in the world to say, how do I take a a, a .NET app and make it WPF, or take you know a COM app and and move it forward as well? Because you're doing a ton of that right now. Yeah. yeah, and you'll see and you'll see that you know. So we'll we'll do that. We'll be sharing that with folks. We'll have it available for other Microsoft teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, reality is, so you know, we were joking about a WPF version of Office. They'll do it when there's an office business justification for going to WPF. Right. Right? So, so, but there's this docs thing with Facebook, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, just it's in some sort of pre, like closed preview, but, but people can see it. And right. So and, what is that? Tell me, tell well, me. Well, I, I just got a Facebook notification with some new Facebook, who knows what, where the web is linked through Facebook, Ooh. right? I don't know, whatever. But one of the <laughs> things, <laughs> one of the things that it's linked through is a, is a, a Microsoft docs website. That apparently Microsoft has been working with Facebook and has, uh, what looks to me, um, like, a, like Excel running in Silverlight. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and you can go, I mean, this is public, right? I, I just not, pop I out there. You don't even know about this? I don't know anything about it. So, yeah. so he's off the hook. <laughs> All right. So, 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 so here, here's, here's what I saw. Just okay. For what just, it's worth, right? You go to this docs website and, and, um, they, it looks like they've got Word and Excel at least. Yeah. And, um, it was able to open up a document and a spreadsheet and a, what looked like a Word doc. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it looked like a subset. It's not like it had the whole ribbon with all the goodies, right. but I right clicked and it said Silverlight. Ah. Interesting. And so, so maybe they're closer than we think, or, and maybe it's not all of Office. Maybe it's some sub. Maybe it's I, some I don't RDP know. But, control. Um, <laughs> maybe it's all vaporware. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are certainly aspects but, of, there's, there are aspects of SharePoint 2010, mainly in the administrative area, mm-hmm. um, that are built in Silverlight. Yeah. Um, well, see, know, they have, they seeing Silverlight back, but, in, so the combination of Silverlight and SharePoint is quite compelling because yes. it allows mm-hmm. a sort of separation of concerns that I think a lot of SharePoint developers have really struggled yeah, with. I agree. You start dipping into the, the SharePoint development model. We said we weren't going to say SharePoint. Uh, I know. Well, there's a good reason it. to say SharePoint. They've got some great tools in Visual Studio 2010. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody you, feel like you do know about that, right? That I do know about. Okay. <laughs> hey, you can clap about that. The tools for yeah. SharePoint. And- you, can clap, you can clap louder about it. Yeah. <laughs> this portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. 
We've been blown away by the uptake and the quick adoption of Silverlight. It's no secret, though, that the platform didn't provide for consistent integration with the web analytics services. Well, not anymore. As you might have already heard, Microsoft announced its Silverlight Analytics Framework, which solves the above-mentioned problem. But what's also interesting is that Telerik already provides support for the framework. Telerik's the first UI components vendor to offer handlers for the Silverlight Analytics Framework. Using RAD controls for Silverlight, you can immediately benefit from the advantages of the platform and start tracking the statistics of your applications. You can read details and download the handlers at Telerik.com Silverlight. And hey, don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Telerik. Yeah, it's good stuff. I mean, I'm not a SharePoint guy, but uh, you know, from what I've seen, and I have seen some really horrible things that people have had to do to get code to work in SharePoint, well, now that, it looks a lot better. That was our goal, was so that today you have to be a SharePoint guy to do SharePoint development. Right, but yeah. Visual Studio 2010, our goal was to give you an experience that was familiar as a Visual Studio developer. Right. Now you're just targeting SharePoint. Yeah. You don't have to know all the gory details of yeah. it. You're not editing XML. You're not looking at XML and GUIDs right, to yeah. get your solution built. Rocky, do you get a sense that uh, we've already hit a peak in complexity of development a while ago and it's getting a little easier right now? So, you know, we've had these conversations on the show for a while now that just it, it's so hard. Too many technologies, too many things to choose from, all coming from Microsoft. But it seems like, you know, you made a choice with CSLA going to Silverlight with it, which for me raised my confidence level. Like, oh, if Rocky likes Silverlight, it must be good. <laughs> okay, so that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, We're laying it all on you, man. Yeah, we blame you. Yes, uh, Rocky that's, said. That's nice. So I do think that we may have hit a threshold. Right. I mean, it was ramping up. It was getting I, I, I really, mean, really hard. And, and, you know, I mean, most of my job is to, to keep up with these technologies so that I can turn around and evangelize them and, 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 you know, provide guidance to our customers and stuff like that, right? In, so, in terms of Magenic. In terms of Magenic. And right. so, so, um, so then I, I sit here and I'm like, geez, I can't keep up with it all. Right. And, and my job isn't to, to be an eight hour a day developer. If I'm an eight hour a day developer, I don't know how anybody could keep up. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Cause, and, and so, I do think what's happened is it's not like there's less technologies, but it seems like the, um, the direction is becoming, is emerging from the fog mm -hmm. is the way I'm thinking about it, right? Like there's umpteen ways of talking to SQL Server, but if you look out at the products that Microsoft itself is building, almost all of them build on the entity framework. Right. So I start feeling pretty comfortable using the entity framework if mm -hmm. darn near everything Microsoft's doing builds on top mm -hmm. of it. And I think at uh, PDC last fall, um, there was some real nice, clear messaging around WPF and Silverlight, which is that they both have a future, and it's the same future. Yeah. The, and that WPF is essentially like Silverlight for Windows. Yeah. Right. But yeah. If now we've got full trust out of browser for Silverlight 4. It, it sounds like we could you could do everything in Silverlight and not worry about WPF. For a line of business application. Yeah. For Sony Vegas, I, I don't think so that's sure. true today. Yeah. Um, well, I, it's I certainly think not true for Studio, although seeing Studio in Silverlight would be weird. <laughs> uh, well, that would be interesting. It would be. Um, but, but I think there are still some things missing. No client side database in Silverlight. Right. Uh, yeah, so I mean, there's some things that, that you still definitely need WPF to do. 
And it made me feel but, good that when we saw Silverlight features getting backported to WPF as well as WPF mm-hmm. features coming forward to Silverlight, like at least they're talking to each other. They're friends, right, Jay? They are. They are very close friends. I think. Right. I, I, maybe you can't comment on this or not, but is this going to be one team at some point? Is it all going to come together? That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, they all hold hands, sing Kumbaya. The XAML team. Yeah, the That's, XAML team. I like that. We need a XAML, so actually, team. The XAML team. In the next release, they are one team. Really? They're moving wow. to one team. And when will that release. be? This fall? <laughs> you know, this is the great thing about our job. We love to get Microsoft people on the show and see if they can ruin their careers in one sentence. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I have nothing to share on that right uh, now. Ah, that's a shame. <laughs> but what I, what I appreciate about you, Jay, because we've had you on the show a few times, is that you say no very elegantly. Yes. <laughs> Not going to talk about that. Okay. It's okay. We'll catch up with you in about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So XAML developers. How many people consider themselves XAML developers? All right. No, no don't raise your hands. Clap for me. That, uh, that's a smaller group. That's a smaller group. Maybe yeah. 12, 12%, something yeah, like that. Yeah, someone there. But it's, it, it's declarative. I mean, it's actually a pretty nice model, all in all. They, it, it is. And, and I think, well, I mean, you said earlier that, that really the, the API that they constructed and the object model that sits underneath it is is... A beautiful object model. Lovely. And, and, and Carl's been doing this demo uh, around Silverlight 4 on the road trip and has been showing different ways. It, there's one particular demo, example done. I think you've now written five versions of it. Yeah. Like it's a, it, to me, that's the definition of Microsoft. There's so many different ways to do the same thing. Which can be great and it cannot be great. I mean, you know, it's great because there's a lot of flexibility. And if you need to do it one way over another, you can. But there's also a really cool way to do things. You know, oh, and, and this is the trick, right? In that, um, there's often on discussion, and in fact, there's quite a bit of it out there, I think, now about wouldn't it be nice if there was a more of a Windows Forms-like experience for buildings, you know, WPF or Silverlight apps and some things like that. But it, I honestly think that misses the point, which is to say that, um, in order to really exploit WPF or Silverlight, to really, really take advantage of what XAML has to offer, you have to think about building your UI differently. About, about or actually, or how how do you connect the controls to each other? Yeah, that's and it. how do you set up this interaction we, between the controls? We actually need a different the, word than binding for what object binding is, property binding. We should call it linking. And I remember, I know you're thinking linking and embedding. Oh, object linking and embedding. Did you but actually really, say that? But really, I, I think he just alluded to that. Yeah. But really, what it what it is is when you bind inputs to outputs in properties in XAML declaratively. You, that's code that's UI code, but you're not writing it. It's not code that you're writing. It's all just it's declarative. one line of it, it's, it's a declarative linkage or, or binding, and, and, and it's true. I mean, and because it's not code, you don't have to hook up events and unhook events. Yeah. And I mean, there's a whole lot of low-level stuff that, that exists at like the C-sharp level or VB level that, that the concepts exist at the XAML level, but you don't have to do all the gory and what's Crumbly good about word. that is yeah. what if I want to just comment out a, you know, an element? Well, if I've got code that relies on that element, now I got to go all in my code and comment all that code out too. But if you don't have, if you're not reliant on that code behind, you can just comment it out. So there's, so what I'm saying is there's so many ways to express things that you do with code just declaratively in XAML, namely through binding. Um, particularly, but there's there's also lots of other things. Well, too. but it also comes down to um, selection of your container. Yes. Right. So so 
one of the most common things that, that I think everybody has faced since day one, whether you were doing text, web, you know, console apps, Windows apps, is, is you start creating a list of things and pretty soon the list spills off the bottom of your screen or whatever. Yeah. And, and now, now what? And, you know, and, and, well, now what in XAML probably means that you switch from a, a stack panel to a flow panel. Yeah. Um, and, and then you open Blend 4 and you drag that really cool fluid motion behavior on top. And all of a sudden your flow panel reorders itself like liquid. And, yeah. and, and your users are like, whoa, that's the coolest yeah. thing ever. And, and all you did was drag a thing on top of a control. You know, it, when you get to the compelling part, which when you, I can you be a hero to... for just dragging a thing on top of a control, man, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that you, all you did was switch the container. The underlying stuff was exactly the same. It's the yeah, interpretation, it's... The, the container's interpretation of that stuff. Well, yeah. and, th- and this brings me to my one of, one of the things that I'm harping on these days is, is zero code behind your XAML. Yeah. Interesting. And That's the goal. It yeah. should be a goal. I, and I, I think it's achievable. I, I think it's an achievable goal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an easy goal, but it also, it forces you to, to go through this process of thinking about linking and binding right. things together correctly. It sounds like a TFS rule. Like and you actually have a, a, you know, like your, your cyclic complexity right beside it is amount of code behind your XAML. Yeah. Just I, to have that engage always pulsing yep. there. Saying, uh, you could get rid of that. Zero. It should yeah. be zero. Yeah. No, yeah. The, for the first, yeah, the first time that you handle a click event or a lost focus, any sort of event yeah. out of your XAML, right. you're, you're sliding down the slippery slope to VB3 land. Don't do yes, it. Right? Right. It's, it's, Don't go there. You know, <laughs> It's like, come yeah, back to the light. I, I liked, I liked the world as it was in 1993, and I think I'm going to stay there. Right? So, uh, <laughs> how many of you, and by clapping also, how many of you consider yourselves to be fairly right-brained, uh, designer-oriented, uh, you know, sort of, you can build nice user interfaces? Clap your hands. Designers in the room. Can. Wow, there are a few. 7%. You notice how the questions keep just going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> smaller yeah. and smaller. But yeah. How many people are from Akron? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> look at that one guy. So uh, I like to say that you know even the even the most creative .NET developers uh, are very creative as long as their uh, elements are rectangular. <laughs> Is that a fair assessment? Do you think? Yeah, I think that's fair. Rectangular. We, we, we easily well, and we've been conditioned for probably our entire careers yeah. to think of things in terms of, of text things, box. things fit into boxes. Button. Yeah. Buttons yeah. are boxes, text boxes or windows are boxes. Yep. Mm. Our, our ER diagrams are a bunch of boxes. Yep. Our class diagrams are, I mean, everything we deal with mm. is a bunch of boxes. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I think the trick here is, is what we've been dancing around off and on is that there needs to be some sort of, um, essentially goal, a reference app. Like office. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wonder if the, um, app won't end up being, uh, the Windows phone or the Zoom, right? The, this, this, uh, uh, Metro, I think is the word, right? And that the Metro's the UI. Um, the, the UI style for, for the Windows phone, which is a beautiful UI style. Yes, it is. It's really well thought out from a, from a designer perspective. And, and yet I can tell you, I have created them. I mean, the mechanics of it isn't actually that hard, mm-hmm. right? You just create 
um, a text block behind a text block and, and link them together so that they uh, um, both show the same text and then you set one to be gray faded or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. even, even I can do that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden my UI quits having quite so many square boxes and, yeah. and you know, it extends off the edge of the screen and stuff. Something yeah. about this, it reminds me of CSS Zen Garden, right? It's this idea of can we, can we make our apps really skinnable? That you could simply flip between the metro look and the Windows blue look, but it's all the same. I think, the, I think of the I think PowerPoint is actually an interesting way of thinking about PowerPoint. it. PowerPoint. Right? You look at like PowerPoint and the templates. Yeah, you you can start out and you just specify what's the stuff, the data you want on each slide. Right. This is a header. This is a bullet point. That yeah, kind and of you thing. start picking various templates that some professional designer put together that yeah. look really nice, and you can switch between them very easily and completely reskin. You know your PowerPoint, and you may need to touch stuff up. Yeah, but for the most part, you didn't think about you didn't think about which color combinations work well together. No, um, yeah. you know what's a good transition versus you know what are good transitions um, effects, those kind of things. You right. just chose from a gallery of these things that someone else had spent time to do, and you put the data in. And to that point, XAML really does have cascading style. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the, it's the, just as easy to do. The it. challenge with that. Because you're right, and and I believe this is where it should go. The challenge, of course, and, and I think Zen Garden hits this too, is that if I create a style, um, who makes up the style names? Yeah. Oh, I do. <laughs> yeah. And 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 if you create a style, are you going to create the same style names? Probably yeah. not. And so now, if I build my app and I use your style names, I can't just apply my style. Well, right? that you can't so, use XML namespaces for that. Well, but what you for really want is to like like um, ideally. There is no concept of a heading one, heading two, simple text, highlighted text in it built into XAML, right? Right. Um, which so at least HTML's got a leg up there. Well, and PowerPoint too. There's a set and, number and, of elements, and yeah. PowerPoint does too. Yeah. And and I think that so. Uh, what would be really nice, Jay, is if Microsoft <laughs> were to come out with a, even even two or three um, pretty comprehensive uh, XAML templates that more or less set the de facto standard for a lot of these style names and then other people can jump on that bandwagon mm-hmm. right but with, with without something like that i think Sorry, it's going to be hard you're saying north wind of style yeah Ooh. that's sure yeah. that's what i said <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll start with pubs and then pubs of style oh boy <laughs> no i agree with you rocket i think that would be very interesting to see yeah. that not in studio 2010 though not in visual studio 2010 yeah maybe. Sur- service back one or up on, <laughs> there you go. just throw it up on codeplex we'll get it <laughs> well i think about prism i mean when you were describing that i was thinking about the prism as sort of the the the, the app building model but it, it didn't have that element in it of this is this you know the way you apply style to it and that, that tokenization of style but a lot of folks did use prism to try and build reference apps around wpf and and maybe it was an opportunity there to have grabbed on to sort of i've built apps in prison Prison? Yeah. Prison. Who knew? How many people are in prison right now? <laughs> you know, metaphorically, clap. <laughs> no? All right, one guy. Sorry, sir. That's... What was that, the JavaScript guy back there? That's the that JavaScript that guy. guy. Yeah. And, and where did this come from? Yeah. Whee! Out of the... That's what, in the business, what we call a pie in the face. Yeah. From, from, from the mind of Carl. Yeah. yeah. A little bit random. Well, that brought the conversation nice. a screeching halt, didn't it? <laughs> Nothing like Prism. <laughs> well, I do think it's interesting, though, because you bring up Prism, but if you look out on the web, CodePlex and other places, there's mm-hmm. um, quite a number of different XAML-based UI frameworks. Interesting. You know, 
a lot of different people with a lot of different ideas on, um, you know, and certainly Prism is, is one pretty big, well thought out, comprehensive, um, scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not the only one. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of people thinking about different ways to approach this problem. And I, and I think that's good. That's what we want ultimately. Uh, at least that's what I would like. Yeah. Right? I just, is, is some sort of rich, which is different from the template thing where yeah. I think some standards are necessary, but, um, I, I certainly, I mean, not everybody creates a composite UI. No. Right. So there's, there's certainly cases where there's other UI styles, um, that might be served by other frameworks or, you know, it's an interesting ecosystem that's emerging, I and think. There are quite a few third party XAML tools. XAM 3D. Remember that? Or XAML 3D was a great WPF editor for creating 3D, uh, three dimensional things. Of course, you know, expression. Blend and all that stuff. How many people use Blend? Clap if you use Blend. It's almost the same. I think that's the XAML group guy. Yeah, right that's there. the XAML group. Yeah. Should we sit them all in the same side? Should we ask them how many like it? <laughs> so Just there's a hesitation there. Just about all of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm warming up to Blend. Uh, the more, the more I see and the more I kind of figure things out, it, it's been a bit of a learning curve for me, but. Uh, how do you have any idea, Jay? How many um, of those Photoshopy people have jumped ship over to Blend? Is it working out the way that they thought it would? I mean, I know that's not your team, but yeah, it's, it's not my team, and I don't have any hard numbers. But I, I can tell you from inside of Microsoft, even mm-hmm. n- not many of our designers has, have moved. Right, and actually, if you look at it, the Photoshopy people. They don't let Photoshop ever change anything. No, no. Because, yeah. and that's why they like it. They just know it. They know where everything is and everything has to stay there. Yeah. Um, don't, don't, don't move it. Don't move my cheese. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, we've seen that it just is different and mm-hmm. they don't want different. They want, they want same. They want same. Right? Yeah. So I, you know, that part of, I think the challenge that, that slow WPF adoption was this change in development process, this idea that we would have a designer involved, that there would have to be an interaction between them and the developer. And, you know, question one was, where is that guy? And then the question two was trying to actually do it. And we did a show with you on this. That's right. Project. Was, was, was it Anthony? Yep. Yeah. That's right. Anthony. And, and he's one of Magenix designers. In fact, he's the lead of our designer practice. Cool. And, um, and he's a blend nut. I mean, he's just totally jumped That's into it. And, that was and the launch his, of Silverlight 3. We talked to you about that, wasn't it? But, you know, I, yeah. It, it, but I think it's interesting because I still am pretty skeptical, even today, that that line, that business people who are hiring us to build line-of-business apps or employ us to build line-of-business apps are going to go out and hire designers to make their line of business app look better. Right. I don't think that's likely. I, certainly public facing apps and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, we can justify hiring a designer, but it's harder, um, at least thus far for business people to, to rationalize bringing an extra person in to, to make it look good. Maybe the answer is for you as a developer or a consultant or a contractor to have a designer in your pocket that you work with and say, look, here's the stuff that we do together. We, you hire us as a team. And, you know, that might make a more compelling case. Well, and this is part of why we've built up this Magenic Studios concept inside of Magenic is exactly – because 
Conversely, I am convinced that even line of business apps would benefit greatly from um, having a, an actual usability expert looking yeah, at the right. at the screens. Yeah. Right. I mean, some of us, and I count myself among this. I'm, I'm pretty good at building um, a very productive UI. Right. We, Not necessarily fun to use, but but I can minimize pretty. I can minimize keystrokes. Yeah, counting right? keystrokes. Yeah. I mean, I remember doing this in the green screen apps, and we migrated over to Windows. I mean, for a long time, it was about how do you keep that user from putting his hand on the mouse. Right. Yeah. Can you actually keep his hands on the keyboard? That's exactly. But, but that doesn't necessarily equate to being trainable. Right. Um, or, or, you know, easy to use. And so if you've got a, any sort of organization where your, your end users have high turnover, keystrokes might not be the most important metric, right? And I don't know how to make a a UI that's intuitive and requires little training because I've, that's just not my experience. Yeah. It's an interesting problem. And, and, I wonder if mobility is actually going to drive this forward just because we're working in such a constrained space. The U, the I is so small that you, you know, you can't, you can fake your way through a 10, 1024 by 768 screen. There's a lot of space to, to waste there. Well, until you bring touch in. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and even then a, a, a 1024 by 768 screen gets a lot smaller if all of your targets have to be big enough for a finger to right. hit them. One of the things I like about the XAML editor now is that it, you know, it adds the equal sign and the quotes and stuff. So when I'm just putting in, you know, attributes on an element, it's just, I have to stop myself now because I'm actually in the habit of putting quotes in, you know, so I, now I end up with double quotes sometimes. So it does sort of kick you in the butt and you realize, oh, I don't have to do that anymore. Once you get beyond that, you can really blaze through it. Well, I've been using 2010 for months, right? Pre-releases and whatever else. And I just recently had to go back and do some stuff in 2008. Yeah. And I couldn't remember some of the syntax because... Right. This shows how bad IntelliSense is as a crutch, right? But yeah. I couldn't remember some of the syntax because <laughs> yeah. I, I just hit the first letter and it just does the rest, yeah. right? And and yeah, it's it's, it's it is very powerful. Wonderful thing. I still don't want to have to type XAML though. Yeah, I, I do not want. That's to type a good XAML. example of a user interface because the XAML editor is UI. That's not necessarily graphic and pretty, but just very responsive and very productive. Yep. Yeah, very intuitive also. So uh, Jay's turning red over here. He's like, "Cool." I think we're coming down to the end of the show. Do you guys have any last-minute things you want to throw out there, or tell people about what you're doing, or no? Hi, mom. Anything? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Post hi, mom. All right. Well, I'd like to thank Rocky Lotka and Jay Schmelzer. Give him a big hand. (laughs) We'll see you next time on Dotnet Rock. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. I 